0: With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select Campus events, while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears.
1: Hi, let's talk about Pro Plan Sport. Pro Plan Sport is advanced nutrition made to fuel strength and stamina in active dogs like yours. So wherever your next journey together takes you, start it off right with the high-performance fuel your dog needs to keep pushing you every step of the way. Pro Plan Sport. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Toyo Open Country AT3. But did you know, they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin TireRack.com. The way tire buying should be. The Volume. Looking for a super offer for Super Bowl 58? DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered. New customers can bet the big game, bet just five bucks, that's it, five bucks, and get 150 bucks in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Takes about 90 seconds. Use the code Colin, C-O-L-I-N. New customers, bet five bucks, get 150 instantly in bonus bets for the big game. DraftKings, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Remember. Redeem code Colin, C-O-L-I-N. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler or visit www.1800Gambler.net in New York. Call 877 8 NY or text Hope NY four six seven three six nine. in Connecticut. Help is available for problem gambling. Call 888 789 7777 or visit CCPG.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, KS, Licensee Partner, Golden Nugget Lake Charles. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See slash basketball terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions. Terms and and responsible Gaming Resources. All right. Um, I am surprised fairly frequently in sports, mildly surprised. I'm rarely shocked. Um, the Kansas City Chiefs dominating from the opening play of the game, the Ravens, this Ravens team qualifies as a bit of a jaw dropper. Um, I mean, let me start with this. At the moment I'm reading this, we're left with three offensive coaches. No pure defensive coaches, again, at the end of the season. And Harbaugh is kind of a special teams guy. That offensive output that he okayed John Harbaugh. Gus Edwards touches the ball. Things happen. Not used. They bailed on the run. Isaiah Lively. Terrific last seven games. Did they have a singular play designed for him? It's amazing to watch what happened. Baltimore just bailed on the run game. I mean, that would be like watching the Niners and saying, "Yeah, they they didn't use McCaffrey much and played a real finesse game." Their makeup is physicality and heavy McCaffrey use. Uh, you know, Detroit, they they love to drop back. Jared Goff protect him. Big play offense. Uh, Kansas City. I'll get to them in a second. We know what they are in big games. But this the story of this game, and I know Chiefs fans want credit, what was that game plan? It didn't make sense for three and a half hours. They didn't run the ball. And it's not like Gus Edwards as a backup running back isn't capable. He makes stuff happen. He's terrific. Um, I I sat there and and I just – now, also – you also saw what champions do. They create pressure. They score first. They take the crowd out of it. They put second half pressure on Baltimore. Zay Flowers melts down. Roquan Smith, personal foul, melts down. Lamar Jackson, end zone interception, bad one, melts down. They lost their composure. So Baltimore's a really, really, really good regular season team. But I thought they looked immature. I didn't think they played smart football. I thought they were completely outclassed. Between Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Spags, a masterclass, a complete and utter mismatch. Um, and you, you know I'm a Harbaugh fan, Jim and John. But to sign off on that, uh, I I don't even I don't even know what to make of it. Like younger teams do lose their composure. That happens. Lamar should not be making that throw at this point in his career. But I mean, it, it, once again. Kansas City, what did the Kansas City staff sign off on? A lot of Travis Kelsey, uh, run the ball, Pacheco, Rasheed Rice. You know, they put the ball in the hands of their stars. Also, what did they do? They got a pretty good pass rush. Pressure, 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 pressure. So their game plan was get it to our stars' pressure. The Ravens, a power running football team, average about 150 a game deviated completely from their DNA. And John Harbaugh apparently signed off on it and didn't really adjust. I mean, I have notes here. That it, it, it just and there were and there were moments. Um, I mean, Lamar catching his own deflection was a top five play. Um, but I really felt when the Chiefs took a 14 7 lead and they had that nine minute drive in the second quarter, it was like, okay. Had you not watched the game and you said, well, Kansas City leads 14 to seven, that'd be one thing. But to completely, by that time they had established their offensive line was pushing the Ravens around. I thought that drive was like, first time I thought, well, that's a problem. Like, this is a problem. Um, One team, the one with Mahomes and Kelsey decided we're going to run the ball. We're going to be really physical. The physical team decided we're going to pass the ball. We're going to deviate from who we are. Um, in fact, my, my notes here, third quarter, Ravens bailing on the run. Why aren't they running? Ravens first drive, meh. Largest Baltimore deficit in 31 games, 17 to seven, which is again, that's why it's shocking. Again, if you would have told me this game was a go either way game, Mahomes wins it late, that's one thing. This wasn't as close Uh, Thank God for some good field position edges by Baltimore. They had opportunities. And so a lot of times Kansas City was pinned a few times deep in the second half when they're not going to take big, big chances, right? They were controlling it. By halftime, it had been established that Kansas City was dominating the line of scrimmage. They were doing what they wanted, running the football, and Baltimore could not protect Lamar Jackson. But, um, and I also wrote this down, coaching mismatch, three offensive coaches left. Um, again, I know I'm, I say this and I beat on it all the time, but go look at, of the top quarterbacks in this league. We love Josh Allen, defensive coach. Once again, look at that game plan by the bills, everything behind the line of scrimmage, non-offensive coach, John Harbaugh, signing off on that game plan. Brutal. I'm just really bad. And I think we have to be honest about this. Listen, when you go up against Mahomes, <laughs> he can shrink everybody. Like, Garoppolo got so much heat for missing that deep ball against Kansas City, Um, and part of the reasons, because Mahomes wouldn't have missed it. Um, Mahomes puts enormous pressure on you, plays with a lot of leads, can also come from behind and play. But I thought um, you juxtapose Lamar, who I defend at every corner, and Mahomes, and I know Mahomes is better. Um, Lamar won the MVP based on regular season output, where he was better than Mahomes in many statistical categories, but he's got more weapons, more consistent weapons. Um, There was a huge gap between those two quarterbacks. And I think it's fair, and I hate to say this, but I think it's fair to say that Lamar melted down late. And now this is becoming his reputation, that he's an enormously dynamic regular season quarterback. You know what he is? He's the opposite of Eli Manning. Eli Manning had two of the great playoff runs of all time, beat Brady and Belichick, Super Bowls, great last drives to win. But in the regular season, you're like, eh, Lamar's unbelievable in the regular season. Now, But we are now left with, he's not the same quarterback in the postseason. And I hate to say it, it drives me nuts. I'm never paralyzed by being wrong, but I really thought, okay, this, this team's different. Wow. But the, the coaching staff for Baltimore has to look in the mirror. I mean, it, it, I've been banging on Buffalo's coaching staff where it's all Josh Allen. And I felt a lot of this game, the Baltimore coaching staff just said, Lamar, make a play. I mean, Gus Edwards, you're just going to pretend he didn't have an enormously successful second half of the season. You're tied in that replaced Mark Edwards. You're, you're going to look as if he didn't have a tremendously successful uh, second year in the NFL. Meanwhile, the offensive ingenuity, game planning, play designing of Andy Reid, Rasheed Rice, every few weeks just got better, 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 better. Then you look up and you're like, yeah, that's a number one receiver in the NFL. Didn't start the year that way. Thought he was a two. But again, an offensive coach, the soft velvety touch, improving Travis Kelsey, uh, Patrick Mahomes, I thought trusted his offensive tackles more today. Notice how Kansas City, just keeps getting better offensively, more refined, sandpaper the edges off, and in the biggest spot, Baltimore goes backwards. And I think that's the difference between the great offensive coaches, the Shanahans, the McVeighs, uh, the Andy Reeds, I think Sean Payton, what he did with Russell Wilson this year, say what you want, but it was a massive leap in quality very quickly. They just have a feel for it. And um, I, I again, it's... It's one thing to lose that you got to answer some questions. I mean, if you're John Harbaugh, you got to answer some questions. There's losing and then there's that. Right. And I don't want people to think you're not giving Kansas City credit. No, they, they are a champion. Absolutely. Masterclass, Spags, Reed, Kelsey, Mahomes, nothing taken away. But you have to acknowledge the story was the collapse of Baltimore. I mean, what what was Mahomes at one point? 13 of 14? It was backyard catch. They weren't getting a pass rush. Uh, he was sort of manipulating and toying with them. Um, it's, it's, by the way, I'll never bet against Kansas City again. <laughs> it's like the third time in a big game I've said, okay, this year it's Buffalo. What am I doing? Andy Reid is in a short list. Bill Walsh, Belichick, Andy Reid. I mean, that list is getting shorter and shorter. Go back to September and October to this Kansas City offense. Weren't they averaging like 17 a game? I mean, it was bad. And at the end of the year, they still led the league in drops, but they got Tony out and Rasheed Rice just kept developing and developing. And Travis Kelsey was a monster tonight. He was, you know what I really felt like I was watching? I I felt like I was watching Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Phil Jackson, backs up against the wall. Nobody believes in him in a big game. And they come out and play their best game of the year easily, which they played pretty close to it. And it wasn't perfect. They had those holding calls at the end of the first half, so they couldn't get into the end zone. But, I mean, this is what the great ones do. We're all ready to bury them. I thought this was going to be a tweener year. It was stage one of the dynasty, gradually moving into stage two. And you just, you just, we saw it. You just... You know, the spark plugs aren't all firing. It doesn't work, but never doubt Andy Reed and Mahomes. What a uh, spags, Reid. What a staff. What a staff. I am excited for Kansas City. This isn't all dumping on Baltimore. Um, it's not just the heart of a champion. Let's, that's a cliche. It's the execution of a champion. <laughs> 13 to 14 for Mahomes. I I wrote it down at one point. I'm like, yeah, Mahomes first incompletion, second quarter. (laughs) Next time, third down, Kelsey catch. Wow. Nine minute drive. That's what champions do. Congrats, KC. On to another Super Bowl.
2: Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years.
1: All right, here we go. Former NFL scout, got a podcast at the volume, three and out, knows the Niners back and forth. You've already heard my preamble on that mess that was the Baltimore Ravens. All right, 34-31, Niners second Super Bowl in five seasons, overcame a 17-point lead. So Dan Campbell's going to get you know barbecued because of his uh, play calling. He's not my favorite coach. He never has been. He's much more of a player. Uh, sensibility than than like a coach, than like a McVeigh who's young, but is a coach. Uh, Campbell, um, to me, this is who he is. He's built the culture on it. I get it. Um, You know, here's my take. Josh Reynolds drops, fumbles, blown coverages. How much heat does Dan Campbell deserve?
2: Colin, listen, going forward to me is situational. And and I understand a lot of times throughout the year, tie game up one score, week six, week 10, it's 24 to 10. And you have the, the Niners weren't on the ropes. They they were falling out of the ring. I mean, they were getting their ass kicked. You kick a field goal, you make it a three score game. So Yeah. yeah, you could say it hit them in the hands, but this is, you know, we see guys drop balls all the time. You have a chance to kick a field goal. They have to score three times. I would understand if it's like, Hey, it only makes 16 points. It's still a two score game it would have made it a three-score game, which at that point, the Niners' defense wasn't playing well, their offense, it would—it gave the Niners life. And let's face it, the Niners had no life because Purdy was up and down in the first half, mainly down. Defense was atrocious. He didn't have to go up four on fourth down in the first half because he was getting first downs on like second down every single series, right? They were like five of seven on third down. He was killing them.
1: Well, I'd said this to you and on FS1 10 times this year. The star of the Lions is Brad Holmes, the GM. It's not the quarterback. It's not Dan Campbell. He's not McVay or Shanahan. And Goff isn't Patrick Mahomes or even Herbert. He's one of the last true pocket guys in the league. I mean, Purdy looked like Lamar Jackson in the second half compared to Goff. So my takeaway is I still think the strength of this team is not the coach or the quarterback, though I really do like Goff. It's the players. They remind me of a younger version of the Niners. But um, you know, I think if if you'd have said all year long what worried you about Detroit, it never would have been the talent. Everybody's secondary gets gashed. I mean, <laughs> the Chiefs are one of the few teams you would have said, "Oh, Dan Campbell's coaching or Goff doesn't come through."
2: Wasn't that sort of what happened? I, I will say this though, Colin, it-, it does come down to your coordinators. You know, in the playoffs, we saw it in Baltimore and Kansas City. Yeah. Right. This game, Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator, was by far the star of the game through two and a half quarters. He, He was unstoppable. And you have a chance to, to me, the two, making it 17 points. I Now, listen, Kyle said at the beginning of the week, this is part of playing Dan Campbell. He gets it on you. It can be crushing. But if your defense gets it and you're in a position where you're down, it swings it. And it, it yeah. swung it. And I'm with you. Like, listen, D- Dan Campbell's not calling the place, <laughs> right? right. D- Dan Campbell is there to give the thumbs up or thumbs down on that. And yeah. I- I'm a huge believer in like, oh, it's, he did the right thing. It's not about the end result bullshit. This is an end result sport. And when you don't get it in, in a win or go home situation, I have no problem during the season. I do think situationally, second half, NFC championship, when you're beating the crap out of a team and you're the underdog, Seven-point lead, I, I would kind of understand it. Like, really try You're up 14 points, Colin. I mean, the 17 yeah. points, it, it would have deflated the 49ers. But that swing gave him life. But like you said, Dan Campbell lives by the sword, and sometimes the sword gets stuck right into his belly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I thought it was interesting because, um, you know, Brock Purdy, I think, is is he's a fairly limited thrower. He's okay. The pocket collapsed. He threw a really ugly pick. Uh, At one point in the game, I have it written down some here. Um, Yeah, it was Brock Purdy in the second quarter, pocket collapsed. And he's just not the kind of guy that can sit in there, stand over it. He's small without a huge arm. But I did think in the second half, and it felt like he was told by Shanahan, they do some man-to-man here, run. Because it looked very intentional to me by Brock Purdy in the second half. Like it wasn't just, hey, I'm going to go. He played with a script in the first half. Wasn't working. Second half, it, it almost looks like Shanahan said, listen, don't, don't be afraid to move. Okay, don't be afraid to move. It'll soften up the defense. That's what it looked like to me. Do you think it was just him going or had there was
2: some intention to it? I, I think he's a pretty instinctive player, right? Because he has to overcome height limitations and arm limitations. So one thing he's done all season long, and listen, through two quarters in this game and through the majority of the Packer game, I, I think everyone was thinking, is this guy, their long-term quarterback? You, you can't play with this guy in big games. Right. But this is why they believe in him. I mean, part of evaluating quarterbacks, I'm sure we'll talk about it coming up to the draft, is the intangible stuff. The kid's got some moxie, and he's got some toughness and, and mental toughness. He, he doesn't wilt because it would have been easy to go into the tank. I thought the first half he was playing like shit. I mean, he looked overwhelmed. In the pocket, he looked bad. Some of the passes, I mean, he was letting rip or flying over guys' heads. This is not raining today. It was 75 degrees in the Levi Stadium. So I I thought more that he's just an instinctive player and he just had to find a way. Almost like I have to will myself to make some plays. And he's a pretty good athlete. I know a lot of people don't think, you know, part of the reason they moved off Trey Lance so quickly is because Purdy was the better athlete, right? Yeah. You know, he moves a lot better. Honestly, his movement is really an NFL. It's an underrated skill in the league because how many plays do the Niners make outside the script of the given play? Avoid some sacks. He's small so he can kind of dip and run around. Obviously he can run relatively quick in a straight angle, but he can move quick laterally, keep some play that one play that he the little lob to Jennings, but that can also get him in trouble. Right? I mean, yeah. you kind of you kind of live with the aggressive. He could kind of turn into a gunslinger. One yeah. reason everyone had him red flag coming out of Iowa State, now looking back they were an undermanned team. He threw a lot of interceptions. Yes. Because he he is willing to take some chances for a guy that yeah. doesn't exactly have Brett Favre or Josh Allen's arm.
1: You know, one of the things, though they were a favorite, I thought
2: clearly
1: Baltimore melted down oh. late in the game. And I thought Detroit, starting with Josh Reynolds drops, melted down. And this is something that it really matters. San Francisco's got a veteran team, Kansas City, Andy, Travis, Spags, Mahomes. Mahomes is now a veteran player, right? Yeah. There is something to be said, John been there done that cuz i thought i i mean you could see i mean when lamar with that terrible throw in the end zone zay flowers what in the hell is that roquan smith with a personal foul and then i watched this game and i'm like oh this is this is nerves i i felt san francisco melted a bit listen there is this historic pressure they've never made a super bowl there's jags houston yeah. browns lions and not many
2: of them left
1: i kind of felt like they melted
2: Well, I think you saw in the second half with the 49ers defense that they started playing with a different pace. They started flying to the ball. They definitely were more fundamentally sound. They weren't out of place constantly that was happening in the first half. And obviously the Chiefs, who have won Super Bowls, the Niners team hasn't won one, but this was they've been in this game four or five years, right? It was a huge deal for the Lions to be here for the first time in 30 years. And you just see a championship-level character. And, And part of that, like you said, is just, Keeping your head, not attacking back, not swinging back when you get swung on, not, you know, hanging your head when you miss a tackle. Because the Niners easily could have gone to the tank, I I would say, about 50% through this game. And I I think they proved a lot. Like, the Chiefs showed up to win, that they had that championship character, that championship blood. They showed up ready to kick ass, and they did throughout the whole game. The Niners got hit in the teeth immediately, and they were hanging on for dear life. And they, they just won't fold. and And it gets back to a lot of the character of the guys from Debo Samuel. How many plays did he make in the second half? George Kittle, Fred Warner and Drake Greenlaw making open field tackles. All their dBs who had given up huge plays and big runs early yeah. in the game fly into the ball. So to me, there's a level of like coaches say this non nonstop. Don't quit. Don't, you know, play the next play. It, it, these games come down to small. even the Chiefs Ravens game, the score was it wasn't big right 17-7 you're a fumble and a touchdown away from being yep. right in it so you can't get down on yourself you can't mail in plays and I, listen i mailed in the niners i thought listen this game's they're in major trouble and they flipped yeah. a switch starting with a dan campbell uh, miss field or uh, miss fourth down yeah i mean it was
1: um listen the first part of this game looked like a brilliant young oc working a defensive coordinator who replaced a great defensive coordinator yeah. in D'Amico Ryans. I had a couple of GMs, a uh, couple execs in the league. One of them, a GM, text me and they're like, boy, they missed D'Amico Ryans, who was just, you know, and he's a brilliant young head coach. And and I th- I thought what I, when I watched them, I mean, Detroit and Green Bay, offensive coaches, sort of offensive leaning cultures right now are both very good first quarter teams. Yeah. The quarterbacks, Goff and Jordan Love stay on script where Jordan Love can get in a little trouble is off script, little little erratic. Where, where Goff can get in trouble is sometimes playing from behind or if you can get pressure on him. I did think the Niners got better pressure on him. But if you go back to the first half of that game, that was a lot of Ben Johnson. First of all, Goff had all day. They were running. So the Niners couldn't pin their ears back. It is interesting. I mean, I think my takeaway in both games today, the, the one thing I'll say is for a seventh round last pick and for an undersized guy, uh, Purdy has been in so many games, high school, college, and now pro. He's just had so many snaps that he's just kind of situationally he, he I, I see no higher low of them. I mean, if he goes to the podium, Johnny's unemotional. Yeah. He, I've never seen him smile. Yeah. He smiles less than Kawhi Leonard. like there's
2: <laughs> he's just like he's just kind of static. That's not a terrible quality. He's not very emotional very mature guy. I mean, he's engaged at 23, 24 years old. I mean, I would say that's not typical for NFL quarterbacks in 2024 in the modern-day culture. Uh, One thing, you know, speaking of the two quarterbacks in the second game, if you just put him in a pocket untouched, Goff throws a better ball. He can see much easier. No question. But the game, as games get uglier and as you can generate some pressure and things just – it's football. Things don't go as planned. You need to be able to make some plays with your legs. Jared Goff just cannot. Kirk Cousins cannot, and that is one element that Kyle, who likes Kyle, would like Jared Goff. But there is an element of having just an athletic quarterback. You don't need to be Lamar Jackson. You just need to be able to move. That's
1: why they drafted Trey Lance. They wanted it. So Brock gives them that element, and and it's funny when they got Trey Lance. What I had heard in the building was, (laughs) he's not as athletic as
2: we thought. No, he's slow. And that's you know, there are always a thing in scouting about time speed or athletic ability. If you went to watch a guy play basketball or a guy at the combine, you know, the combines in a month or whatever, all these guys run fast 40 times. And then there are guys like St. Brown, who I don't know what his 40 time is, but he plays really fast. Debo runs a 455 five. We'll put the ball in his hands. No one catches him. Right. So I don't know what Brock Purdy runs, but I know when he scrambles or when he moves behind the pocket, he moves fast enough to get away from some guys. Now he can't run away from everybody, but his play speed is really good. And this gets back to instincts. And to me, instinctive football players, the Lions have a lot of them. You know, yeah. I mean, they, they really do. They, they have a fast team. So do the 49ers. Fred Warner plays really fast and Dre Greenlaw plays really fast because they're instinctive players. I mean, they're good yeah. athletes. But when you can read and you know what's coming, I mean, th- these players in the NFL have been talking about this in the history since I've been alive, about knowing what's coming, preparing. It helps you play faster. And then there's the upper level of like the truly great instinctive players. And obviously, the 49ers are full of them. Right. I mean, they just are from Kittle to Debo to yeah. I, I think their coach, you know, when he gets in a rhythm, Ky- Kyle's weird, right? Ben Johnson has just been red hot all season long. Kyle can have games where you feel like, God, what, what's he doing? And then right. today it just kind of flipped and then he got his mojo and the rest was history. Yeah, he tends to get a
1: little tied to his script. And I think what happened today, John, is uh he did against Green Bay. He kind of gets stuck to his script because he, yeah. you know, he's a smart guy and thinks my script's better than your script. We're staying with it. Today, he didn't have a choice. No, he had to. They, they had to make a couple some touchdowns. Changes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you're they they so they got a little lucky with with Dan Campbell's recklessness. So my guess is Kansas City would be favored by about two.
2: I think N- um, Niners' line's already out. It's the other way. <laughs> N- Niners are favored by two, which is insane. They do Yeah boy, I would I would take Kansas City, wouldn't you? I mean, you can't bet two weeks for Andy Reid to prepare. Look at the numbers. I don't know about you. I, I was kicking myself. I put money on the Ravens. And obviously, I mean, shit, Andy Reid had me to his house for Thanksgiving. I've seen the guy up close. and I can't believe I did it. And you knew right away. You're like, how did anyone even think that the Chiefs didn't have a chance? I didn't think they didn't have a chance. But I, the way that game went was just classic. Like, this is Belichick and Brady, but the 2020s version. And it was just, I would never bet against this team. Now, I do think the 49ers, you know, in theory, should be much more mentally capable. The Ravens melted down, neutral site, they're better in a dome. But Mahomes, I don't know if you saw the stat, he has as many playoff wins now as Elway and, John, and uh, Peyton Manning. He has as many playoff wins at 28 years old as Peyton right, Manning it. and John Elway's career. By the way, He's two away was, from
1: Joe Montana. Here's what's remarkable. So let's go and talk Kansas City-Baltimore. So what you saw with an offensive coach, and you saw this with McVay this year and Matt LaFleur, that you had a flawed team and there was a unit or a part of the team. With McVay, it was the offensive line. Uh, with LaFleur, it was the quarterback. And with Andy, it was the wide receivers. You watched real coaching over three months that MVS, Rasheed Rice is a one. All three, the Rams O-line was a train wreck early. McVeigh, offensive coach, solved the riddle. Lafleur over eight weeks. Jordan Love was a bust to a star. And I thought this receiving, this is what they can do. This is what McDermott drives us crazy, is that basically what you saw with the Rams, Packers, and Chiefs was a their very best football by the end of the year offensively. Yet, John Harbaugh signed off on that game plan. All Gus Edwards does is make plays they ignored him. Uh, 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 Isaiah Lively, they ignored him. And it was like, to me, it's the opposite that what Baltimore, their basic DNA all season. And then you got into the game and Harbaugh signed off in this game plan. And by the way, at halftime, no changes. They abandoned the run totally. So they went, this is what drives me nuts is that Offensive coaches, O-lines, young quarterbacks, backup quarterbacks, receiving course, they can fix shit over the course of a season. I watched, I watched that Todd Monk and Harbaugh performance today. That, and again, I'm not saying Kansas City Spags doesn't deserve credit, but the game plan and the play calling, it, they basically said like Buffalo does, hey, Lamar,
2: go make great plays. In throwing the ball in the pocket, right? To me, last week, Josh Allen ran all over the place, especially outside the numbers, you know, or outside the tackle box. So I thought, well, if he's going to do that, can Lamar run for 120 yards? Will he gaze out? Today, That they, they did the opposite. They just tried to force feed the pass against a team that actually can handle, like they have a lot of very talented defensive backs. Their linebackers were struggling to catch Josh Allen last week. Lamar's faster. So why wouldn't you have designed power runs outside both? They just never did it. I, I thought the first half part of that game plan, and let's face it, the game felt over at halftime, was one of the most embarrassing in recent memory. They, they just had somewhat of, uh, you know, the blueprint last week with Buffalo on how to use a running quarterback against these guys and be very successful, and they did the opposite. The other thing that really hit me: Do you know who might be the best coordinator in all of football? If you factor in. You're never going to lose him. No one is ever going to hire Steve Spagnuolo to be their head coach. It's never going to happen. So Andy Reid has a defensive coordinator who's clearly one of the best in the league that he never, ever has to worry about being hired to be a head coach. This isn't college. It's not like someone else can poach him. He basically just gets to have his defensive coordinator. If he wants to coach another five years, this guy gets to just stay with him. Think of what a luxury that is. The the What Spags is doing these last five years, especially the last couple, since their defense has gotten good, if he was a 41-year-old named John Smith he would have interviewed for four jobs, or even as a defensive coach all around the league. No one touched. No one's even pick up the phone. No one will. So Andy doesn't even have to worry about that. And like you said, the offense is always going to be taken care of. And I'll promise you this. I I still think the Niners might win the Super Bowl, but this Chiefs team will never be as bad as they are offensively again. Yeah. Because they're going to get better. But defensively, you know you're in good hands cuz your defensive coordinator is elite. He's taken out Belichick at multiple Super well, Bowls. I mean, he's just he's won Super go, Bowls now with Andy. He changed their culture defensively, and listen, he's not going to leave. This is New England. Scarnecchia,
1: after Josh McDaniels bombed as a head coach, part of what made them great was this institutional, cohesion. this institutional cohesion and knowledge. Brady, Dante Scarnectia, Bill Belichick, Josh McDaniels, uh, Matthew Slater on special teams. Jesus, it was these like six seminal guys that were the best in the world at what they did. And I think to your point, I think, you know, Monken may lose his job after that, but I think what we forget about this, um, because I don't think Green Bay wanted to get rid of Joe Barry. I think they had to, there's such an outcry. But Green Bay has been one of those places historically that, you know, players don't get in a ton of trouble You know you're not going to overspend on free agents. No crazy owner. You got to draft and develop. Green Bay's had a 30-year continuity of offensive coaches, drafting and develop. No chaos at quarterback. I mean, now it looks like they're going to get another 12 with Jordan Love. They're going to go almost 50 years
2: with no quarterback chaos. Marino left Miami. They've still never replaced him. The cohesion in the NFL is not normal. Look at Kyle Shanahan. He's on his third defensive coordinator and what? Three years, right? Sala yeah. got a job. D'Amico's there too, and now he's on Wilkes, who at halftime looked like he he might have been on his fourth. But I think Andy, look at their core, right? Obviously Spags now has been there over this four or five year run since they've been really good under Mahomes, and they, you ultimately have to choose a couple players around your quarterback, and you got to get it right. And for twenty plus years, Belichick always got it right. Well, they made a decision, right? They got rid of Tyreek, but they just stuck with Travis who was easy to right. because he doesn't make that much money. He's a great player and, and Chris Jones. So their core was basically the, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, one of the greatest tight ends of all time and one of the greatest interior pass rushers we've ever seen. And then they've just built it around there with great cohesion at coaching. Nat, Matt Nagy leaves, he gets fired, immediately comes back, right? So a lot like the Josh McDaniels thing, you know this guy who the co- the quarterback knows Cohesion's an underrated part. And now Andy Reid historically has been used to losing a lot of coaches, right? And he's he's comfortable doing it. But right now I think they got something special with the players and the coaches of everyone's on the same. The Niners have a lot of that going for them with the players, right? Kyle yes. and this group of players have all been together now for four or five-plus years. That matters. Oh, you saw it in the second half. Yes. Of course it mattered. You saw it. So it, it's interesting K- with kid, Look at Gibbs, rookie, who's fantastic, fumbled the ball. Christian McCaffrey ain't fumbling a yep. ball today
1: zay flowers great rookie (laughs) bonehead plays like it matters all this stuff i mean in fact you could argue gibbs and zay flowers made the big mistakes of the game great young players so it's um in detroit's interesting because they could take a step back when ben johnson leaves he's that good where everything can come back down to earth if you hire the wrong coordinator nick seriani in philly is a great example you miss replacing a brilliant oc it's it's a different everybody comes back down to earth. I was thinking about Mahomes today, though. (laughs) When he started the game, he didn't have an incompletion to the second quarter. Is that I don't think we've ever seen anything like this. Peyton Manning, as good as he was, was a teeth clencher. Uh, Elway had some really bad big games. Um, Brady was mostly an early game manager. I can say it now. Mahomes is the greatest quarterback I've ever seen. I can say it. And I've watched Marino and Elway. You know, I love Brady. Now, Brady's more productive. What we're watching here is a player that against the best defenses in the highest leverage moments, the biggest audience, the most pressure, best defenses is significantly better, not better, significantly better than he is in the regular season. His playoff numbers, they don't make sense. It would be like Derek Jeter was a 300 hitter hitting 370 in the postseason. It's like, wait, timeout. What, What are we doing here? I, I, when I watch Mahomes, I'm like, "Okay, hey, this is he made a throw today and it was um Travis Kelsey made a great catch, but he was running. It was a muddy pocket. He moved forward and he just sent a little floater up and it was like Thanksgiving backyard football and it was completed. And I thought nobody cares about that play. I I honestly today in that environment juxtapose watching Lamar and him and I'm like, if Lamar's number two in the league. The gap between those two is the Grand Canyon.
2: L- Lamar's not number two in the league. Josh Allen is, and I you listen. Yeah. They're never going to go on record and say this, but I'll promise you, Josh and Spags have more fear facing Josh Allen than they do Lamar Jackson. Like that's that's not crushing the guy. He had a great season, yeah. but he's he's not as good as those two guys. He saw, it was on full display today. It was on display the first half a week ago against the Houston Texans. Like he can be rattled really easy. Yeah, uh, and to me, Mahomes, to me. I'm with you. The Brady thing, it's going to be hard even if he wins a couple more and ever get to the right. six. It's like but,
1: LeBron and MJ because it's just there's so much production and titles and trophies from MJ, but LeBron does significantly more things better than MJ.
2: I mean, last night he, was, he had like 20 rebounds against the Warriors. <laughs> it was incredible. He's got gray hair all over his face. He's got 20 rebounds beating the Warriors. The, the thing that Mahomes does that parallels Brady to a T is in these big moments. Now, he can do a sexier play because he can move around the pocket. Tom could not. They never fuck up. They they just refuse. And in the second half, and Romo kind of mentioned this, is it's unsexy to say this word, but when you get a lead in a big spot, the game manager aspect, or maybe Bill Cowher did. He's like, he game managed like a Hall of Fame player. I'm not, no one on the other team is touching the ball. Anyone around me, I'm either getting rid of the ball, throwing it out of bounds. You're going to have to beat us, but you're not going to beat us because I give you something. And Tom and the Patriots were elite at that. Peyton would screw up. He would throw the ball to the other team sometime, had some awful interceptions in in some big games, right? The teeth get tight. He gets loose, but he's very under control, a lot like Tom. It's like they're super focused, but they're very calm and loose. It's... I mean, how many guys in the history of sports have had that? Like Tiger, Michael, Tom. I mean, it's it's a tiny, tiny list. Derek Jeter in the playoffs, maybe. Big poppy. Most guys just naturally get a little tight. You saw Jared Goff. Like, he just kind of got felt a little tighter. Lamar, the the pressure. You can feel it. You don't even need to be at the game. You can feel it on the TV. You're like, God, this drive's huge. And then if you don't get a second and eight, all of a sudden you're like third and eight. You're like, oh, The, the coaches clench up. Everyone clenches up. And this is where the championship blood and the championship medal. I saw it when I lived in the Bay Area with the San Francisco Giants. It all starts at the top. And I'm telling you, Andy Reid, if you talk to anyone that plays for him, they're like, his team meetings after losses, wins, they all feel the same. He's not a yeller and a screamer. He does not invoke tightness anytime you're around him. He's naturally kind of loose. He's not a big screamer, but, you know, enjoy, but he's not a big downer in the negative times. So I think it all starts with him and he has the perfect quarterback for him. But to me, Patrick, the maturity today to be in full control on the road against a great defense, like you said, early in that game, that that dot he threw to Kelsey down the seam was like, oh, my God, it was like it it, it would have been like watching Michael Jordan, 97 or 98. Like, good luck, guys. (laughs) You're in for one.
1: How about the throw to Kelsey when Kyle Hamilton, he was on a single side by himself. And it was a first Kelsey made a hell of a play. First time all year, a tight end beat Kyle Hamilton for a touchdown. And after that throw, I'm like, he's on one. Isn't isn't
2: Kelsey also a good example? We talk a lot about Mahomes and Andy, but think about Kelsey all year long. You're like, is this going to be his last year on the Chiefs? Are they going to ask him to take a pay cut? Like he's kind of getting old. What happens when the playoffs start? Looks like the Hall of Fame A minus guy. Now he's not may not be as dominant as he once was in, in his yeah. at 32, 33. He was years
1: great old. today,
2: but he's still. It's like a throwback, like Scottie Pippen, like Michael. I Michael looking at him like I need you, and Travis like I'm ready. And he said it all week. He's like I've never wanted a game more than this game. Like these guys, their level of focus and obviously their talent is second to none. But today they're, it, it was watching greatness. Like that that game was. Were you no. shocked? You didn't think they would dominate like that. Did did you like oh, no. the Chiefs? Like, so <laughs> basically the Niners
1: Lions looked exactly like I thought. I said on Friday, I said Detroit will probably take the lead. They're a great first half team. Ben Johnson, I said Purdy will play from behind. It'll be good, it'll be close. If Debo plays, I said he'll make two or three big plays and they'll win. I think I predicted the score would be 34 28 or 34 27. So that game, now I didn't expect the meltdown and the huge lead. But the the final result was San Francisco just made more big plays. Their physicality took over. Detroit was not quite ready in the moment. That's what I thought I would see. It Just how we got there was different. Yeah. I do not remember ever a playoff game with what I perceived to be a great team being more wrong. That game, first of all, my entire belief on the game was, oh, they're going to pound the rock make Mahomes sit on the sideline. And it was Kansas City that had a nine-minute drive. I know. It, it, the game looked the opposite of what I looked like. The I time thought, of possession, go, I remember they put it on the screen one time. You're like, this is insane. It's insane. And they abandoned the run. Like, I thought it was going to be uh, Baltimore lead. Um, uh, Kansas City can't quite keep up. In the end, Baltimore couldn't score. They, they abandoned. It's, they didn't abandon the run. They never ran. They never attempted to run. So that
2: game, that game. Okay. So let's talk about this. How do you match the experience with the coaches on Kansas City? When you think about Andy's now been in the league for 30 plus years and all the Spagnola can can lean back on the games against Belichick and his experience. I mean, it's, it's so I have been a, I've been a big
1: defender of Lamar. I love how much he cares every year. He gets bigger, he gets better. And we cannot deny he's a better pocket quarterback today than he used to be. No question.
2: Fantastic player.
1: But I did think today. It is now fair to say not quite the same in the playoffs. I defended him forever. I used to say Peyton Manning wasn't the same in the playoffs. It's, it's hard to win in the playoffs. Today, and again, I'm not blaming him. He had no run support. I hated the game plan. But he melted a little late. And I think it's fair to say he had a couple of bad throws. I do think it's fair to say that he is he tends to be run-centric. He can melt a little. He's not as good from behind. Most aren't. But when you watched him in Mahomes, I'm like, some of the criticism is just now. I defended it, but it's just.
2: Well, from a specific football standpoint, he got fidgety today. He got rushed. He looked like the younger Lamar, where in the playoffs, when it wasn't going Baltimore's way, he would one read and then kind of scramble around and kind of scramble within the pocket. And it just throws everything off instead of all season long. Now, granted, they were beating the crap out of most teams, right? He was very under control. It's like, well, if this is the version of the player, I'm all in because he's calm, you know, kind of moving around. Today, he got very fidgety. He he got very, felt very uneasy about two seconds into the place. And part of that, I think gets back to, the immense amount of pressure in a spot like that against that opponent, and you start going, we're down, you just naturally kind of freak out. Now, maybe we look back in a couple years, and he wins a game like this, and he says, going through that experience helped me out. But today, he resorted back to the guy. Like, I, I, I said yes. this last week, everyone's shitting on Josh Allen. Was he perfect? No. But I never watched for a moment and thought, I wouldn't want that guy on my team. If you put that guy on a team that's stacked, you're winning with that guy. It was not his fault. He did not look overwhelmed. I'm not saying Lamar looked overwhelmed, but I need you to be in complete control. The moment you get fidgety, it's the Peyton Manning thing in the playoffs. You're playing the best of the best. He used to lose to the Patriots. You're playing Andy and Mahomes here. They're not going to screw up, and this defense is solid. Like, just live to fight some other. You know, get a seven-yard gain, right? Complete some balls. The balls were flying on him. The rain started coming. But to me, he was very, very uneasy yeah. in the pocket. And that, to me, you kind of knew it right away. Like, you, you could feel it. And it happened against the Houston Texans. And then he came out a different guy. Why? They started running the ball, calmed everything down. He never calmed down. Their offense never calmed down.
1: Well, they didn't do, Monken didn't do him any favors. The way to settle a quarterback down is get him a run game. For sure. By the way, second half, Niners, Christian McCaffrey peeled off a couple of big runs. Everybody comes down. The temperature in the room comes down little swing past the Debo. Debo breaks tackles. The sideline play to Kittle. It just brings the temperature down. It gets the crowd into it. So San Francisco, after a rocky first half by Purdy, what are we going to do? Let's get him some yards. Let's not put the pressure on him. They never did that with Baltimore. They just kept dropping him back. By the way, and Spags is bringing extra people. Baltimore can't block him. So at no point did Baltimore say, listen, because they saw what you saw. God, Lamar's frenetic
2: here. Let's get him help. Nope, they just dropped him again with six rushing and five blocking. If I told you this morning that before the game kicked off, the Chiefs are only going to have 17 points, you you would probably assume they're going to lose, right? Like I, I didn't envision a spot where they could win 17 to 16 or 17 to 13 or 17 to 10. But what happened today? Awful pick in the end zone in a triple coverage. Karlovskis gets a big strip sack against them. Obviously, the Chiefs came through with turnovers. You can't afford to have the 49ers overcame the pick Purdy, it was early. What they would not have been over, able to come overcome a pick in the second half, and let alone countless turnovers. Stay Flowers, Lamar Jackson, the fumble trip sack. I mean, that's you're not overcoming that against, you know, the new dynasty. It's not possible. But it starts with him. I mean, I the whole building, I, I would imagine every guy and, and and female that bought a ticket felt it early, like, oh, we're in trouble. This quarterback looks a little off kilter. And, and let's face it, he, he was.
1: Yeah. I think the Super Bowl is going to be interesting for a lot of reasons. Um, San Francisco, as you noted, comes out a favorite. I would bet Kansas City. I think that Um, line will come storming down, don't you? Yeah. I mean, listen, um, this institutional... The Chiefs Coaching. just won the
2: Super Bowl last season. <laughs> they won the Super Bowl, they're back in it. How <laughs> are they not the the favorites?
1: Well, I'd say when they played them before, uh, Mahomes wasn't making the money, the roster was a little deeper on the defensive side, more experienced. Uh, Purdy's a better runner than Garoppolo. I think he's, I think he, I, I, I always thought Jimmy threw a great ball between the hash marks, Could didn't move much. Purdy gives you a new element. Uh, McCaffrey wasn't on that team. So th- this team has got
2: Niners' Some offense elements. is way better now. Their yeah, defense, yeah. their defense is not as good as that team. That defensive line uh-huh. was at Buckner. That defensive line was good. I I would take Kansas City and the points.
1: Um, you know, because I've watched San Francisco play crappy football for three quarters against the Packers and two and a half quarters against the Lions. So my takeaway is where I've I haven't seen Kansas City have a bad quarter. They've had 12 excellent quarters. With with San Francisco, they've overcome. I mean, let's let's not kid ourselves. Go back to the that Baltimore game. They
2: they've had some bad games over the past month. It's not even just the playoffs. They they've been off.
1: Yeah, so um, I, I just I got to tell you, I find uh, I don't know why I bet against Kansas City. There's just so much institutional intelligence. Um, you know, and, and, and it it was so clear today early on. I mean, Kelsey had one of his best halves ever and not even just touchdowns just making diving catch after diving passing. catch and there's been this sort of narrative he's not focused there's taylor swift and i'm like well he's showing off her today because that's <laughs> shit what i'm watching <laughs> yeah <laughs> that, that maybe he has a ring in his pocket <laughs> he's delivering tonight because that was like one of the uh he was engaged i i i thought travis kelsey really set the tone and you know what else i liked in big games Baltimore didn't give it to Gus Edwards. It's like, what, what are you doing? Didn't um, they didn't go with their strength? What did Kansas City do? Travis Kelsey, Travis Kelsey, Travis Kelsey, Pacheco, Rice. Who's because I love their game plan, which is what Spags um, rep pressure. What yeah. did they do? Played right into his strengths. Go look at everything Kansas City did today. It was all the best version of what they did. And I and I think San Francisco's second half, by the way, mm-hmm. looked exactly okay, here guys at half. This is who we are. Let's go do what we do. Now Detroit did the same thing, which is reckless. But I Baltimore's the only team this weekend I thought, what, what was that? I don't get that. So I thought I thought Kansas City and San Francisco, niner's second
2: half, really that's who they are. You know, one thing that Andy has changed definitely the last couple of years, a part of his Tyrese gone is the knock on him was always pass, pass, pass. He has no problem giving to Isaiah who against the 49ers, I mean, look at them, they can't stop the run right now. So I would expect for the Super Bowl, a lot of Pacheco because stopping the run is not, and let's face it, their outside passing game with the Kansas City Chiefs is not as good as Detroit's. So the 49ers are going to have to find a way to slow down this game because that, that if you're just giving up five, six yards of carry, you're just going to be up against the ropes. It's impossible not to be because it keeps your offense off the field. You know, obviously this guy, on if it's third and three, they're, they're talented enough to get those, and they have the greatest quarterback of all time. But you have to stop. If you cannot stop the run, like they would have lost this game, the version of the way their defense was playing to the Kansas City Chiefs. And yeah. now it's inside fast. Now, that benefits the 49ers, too. But the other kind of swing is, think about Mahomes these last two weeks. Just perfect. He's just been A-plus, A-plus. Purdy's, you know, been, been a little bit of a roller coaster. I, I don't think you can afford roller coaster Purdy throwing a pick six or something against Kansas City and being down 10-0 to the level of coaching staff you're going to go to. Now, maybe the Niners can figure out some defensive stuff. But here's one problem, Colin. When you invest a lot into a certain position, like ultimately, like why are the Chiefs struggling with the wide receivers? Well, they they don't have a great player. Like they, it's not like they've bought one guy who's not living up. They drafted a guy in the second round, Sky Moore. Didn't work out, whatever. Rice is whatever, a third round pick. Like they'll be fine. They they will invest more in that. The 49ers have invested a ton into the defensive line, right? Now, Bosa made some plays today, but Chase Young, they traded a third round pick for. He's nowhere. Uh, Armstead and Hargrave today were many places to be found. By the second half, at least Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw started making some plays. But when you invest in an area, this was the downfall of the Philadelphia Eagles. When you put all that money in the defensive line, well, if the defensive line doesn't play at like an A minus level and if you put them at like a C plus B minus, you're going to be screwed because you're going to have major liabilities at other spots. This is a business that you build the pie chart over, and the Niners are very dependent on this defensive line, and right now, it is not good. Beside Bosa, none of them are making plays, and they definitely against the run, they're all getting turned around in these gaping holes. So, Andy Reid might have been a passing coach, but I would imagine that you're going to get a big dose of running game uh, come the Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, I, I don't have a strong feel because I I will say this: I think Kansas City has the best quarterback, I've, the best player I've ever seen. So there's my edge. And I think Andy Reid, you know, I I, yeah, I think I've told you this before, that if the NFL would have written that CTE check to the players union 10 years earlier and the league would have pivoted to offense, yeah. Andy'd be the best coach ever. Belichick probably wouldn't have two or three of his Super Bowls, but it was late. So Andy was working against the league. I mean, these offensive coaches, defensive coaches, reigned supreme for years and decades in this league. Well, I mean, now you, you, you watch John Harbaugh's game plan today. You look at McDermott, Mike Tomlin, how these teams struggle on the O-line run games. It's, I mean, is it a surprise that Kyle Shanahan and Andy Reid are in the championship game? Only McVay to me, maybe Peyton, but that's kind of the highest cut of the cloth in this league offensively, is it not? Is it not? For Shanahan's sure. the best scheme guy in the league. Andy's the best play designer and play caller. McVay's the best offensive culture builder, and then I think you, I think Peyton and Lafleur deserve a lot of props. Ben Johnson's probably the best young coordinator. Shane Steichen, I think, is getting really yeah, close to putting that. But I mean, it's not a surprise. This is the coaching sport. NBA is a players' league. Baseball is a pitcher
2: sport. Football, quarterback, and a coach's league. We have the two best offensive coaches. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I and I think both of them and this is what my issue we talked during about college football during the season with Lincoln Riley and some college coaches is they don't even look to the defensive side of the ball they they don't they don't attack it till it's too late is Andy Reid and Kyle Shanahan are huge believers now it doesn't always work but doubling down on defensive lines getting aggressive players paying for corners drafting guys high at, on defense cuz part of my ability right Is going to be I can help the guys out on this side. Now it helps when you hit star players like Kelsey or Tyreek Hill or trade for Christian McCaffrey, but that Jawan Jennings, no one heard of the guy three years ago, and now he's making big plays every single game, right? That they can they can create that with no names, and defensively they've always you know allocated a lot of resources over there, and sometimes offensive coaches you know, are either two hands off. I give Sean McVay a lot of credit. Look how the defensive coordinators he's always invested in, how much uh, emphasis they put when they do have draft picks on that side of the ball, right? Because you you cannot win in these big spots. Obviously, the Niners were getting shredded, but their defense came through in big spots that are highly paid, right? Obviously, Kansas City has a fantastic defense. The Baltimore was there because they had the number one defense. So uh, offense is huge, and the offensive, you know, head coaches are – the uh, ultimately like the swing part of it, but you got to emphasize defense as an offensive coach because you're going to need that side of the ball. And the Chiefs have really benefited from that this year because their offensive personnel is not as great, but they keep getting better, right? And obviously Kyle, since he's been, since they've been good, they've always had very physical defense. I also think practicing physically is a really, really big thing. And Andy Reid is still known for running the hardest training camp. Kyle Shanahan talked to their players. Monday through Friday is not that fun. It's a very, very intense environment. It's not negative like Belichick, but in terms of football-wise, you better know your shit or people are on you. And practice is not just lollygagging around in sandals. What was the knock on the Eagles this year? It's like, oh, they weren't really practicing. They were an older team. Well, I get it, but if you do not practice in football, you practice four or five times more than you play every week. So you, yeah. the practice, these coaches are addicted to practice. And Andy Reid and Kyle Sch- they like practice as much as they like the games, their excitement, getting ready, because <laughs> it's the preparation for, but it's also getting, setting the team's tone. It's why Harbaugh's such a great coach. His practices are physical. Like, his team doesn't just show up and shove people around. It starts in the offseason, it starts in training camp, and then it's through the weeks during the season. It was always something famous Belichick did. When they were always the number one or two seed and they got the bye week, I heard Joe and Edelman was like, we used to scrimmage in full pads. Like, it was to set the tone for physicality. We didn't want to lose that because that is the separating factor offensively and defensively. And when you practice hard, everyone gets better. What do you watch when you watch the Chiefs and the Niners? I mean, people are getting hit hard offensively, defensively, and it starts with the head coach. You can't fake that. Listen, most people in, in life aren't tough. Like, Dan Campbell's a tough guy. You know, Jim Harbaugh's a tough guy. You go, is Kyle a tough guy? Well, the way he views football philosophically, 100%. Andy Rees always smiling and hugging people. I promise you. And he loves throwing bombs. Loves toughness in football and, and it shows. In the biggest moments cuz that's where he needed to come through.
1: John Middlecoff, former NFL scout, 3 and out. Um podcast for the volume. This is always great. Um so I think we'll we'll meet again next week. Um, listen, we have The best coach and quarterback against maybe the second best coach and best roster. And so uh, the conspiracy theorists can say the league wanted um, Taylor Swift in, but it looked like Todd Munkin wanted the Chiefs in, not Roger Goodell, that goofy game (laughs) plan. Um, It's been a hell of a year. You know, I, I look at this year.
2: These ticket, these ticket prices to get in, I, I might need to get into that building, Colin. I might need you just to call some people to call some people because this, this ticket price, the get-in price could be, I bet it's going to shatter records. I mean, in Vegas, right? In Taylor Swift.
1: I mean, what do you think that Lions-Niners rating is today? Fox has been on a roll. Jesus. Fox 40, has been 48 on a-
2: million people, you think? But Listen.
1: I like the NBA. I watched both the Celtics Clippers game Saturday night, first half, second half of the Lakers Warriors. I love the NBA. NBA is dying to get like 1.9 million for a game. The NFL, and I think legalized gambling is jet fuel, is completely pulling away. I Three or four things are happening to the NBA. One, the NFL took Christmas back, which was a huge marketing day for the league NBA. NFL said, "Yeah, we're done with that. We're gonna own it." Hurts. That was a real launching point. Secondly, the league's getting highly European. Most of the best players: Luca, Giannis, Jokic. Doesn't bother me. I love it. But it it is getting our domestic players have very little imprint. These guys come. You know, Wemby's the next great player. SGA's from Canada. It's it's, and I'm. I'm not opposed to it. I like stylistically, I love watching Jokic play. But, you know, fans often they kind of root for their own. They want to see their Kansas guy and their Ohio State guy. And so that's the second thing. And the third thing, um, with the NBA is that Stefan LeBron carried the league for 15 years. And that was so much fun. As I watched it this weekend, and as I watched it, I thought, is this the last meaningful game between those two? I literally was getting romantic. I'm like, We're not getting any Steph LeBron. I mean, Steph LeBron, this could be one of the last times they really light the world up.
2: Warriors are like five games under 500. They're not going to be in the playoffs. I thought, can the NBA, you know how golf gives sponsors exemptions? Like, could you give a sponsor exemption to get Steph Curry into the playoffs? (laughs) Because (laughs) that's got to be the highest rated NBA game of the year. Do you know one thing I think in the NFL, and I'm sure you've talked about this, but I really noticed it in my life, whether it's my girlfriend or her friends, whether it's just other ladies in my life, my mother and her friends, a lot of women watch the NFL. Yes. My my mom watched every snap today and she watched, she's because I worked for coach Reed and he was so good to meet. She, she doesn't miss a chiefs game. She's a diehard chiefs fan, you know, and I know so many moms that, you know, I'm from Northern California. They don't miss a snap of the Niners. And I think that's probably the same moms in Philly, women in Philly, Dallas. I think you go around the country, no way basketball has that. I mean, I, I think the under, and this is not, has anything to do, this is well before Taylor Swift ever showed up dating Travis. Yeah. I'm telling you, I, I think the the audience uptick in women watching football, the, specifically the NFL, has got to be all-time my, high.
1: Okay. My wife doesn't like sports. Glued to the game today with her sister. My sister doesn't like sports. Became a Seahawks fan with Russell Wilson. My sister and my wife do not watch sports. Anything ever I mean they they the, the idea of taking my wife to a baseball game it 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 would be like taking her to a bingo game at yeah. an old folks' home. She just wouldn't do it. no, I think you're right. in fact, I saw a number it was six or I just got to Fox about seven years ago, and they were showing um I got some research from the people upstairs, Mike Mulvahill, and I stopped by. I used to see him like once every few months and I see him a couple of times a year, very bright guy, all the numbers I much fall, it. Fall shocked, with him. yeah. Like it was like fifty percent of the fans were women, or close to it. I was like, "No, that can't be true."
2: It was well, like people up in Seattle and your sister's friends and just random females over the last ten years when Russell Wilson came onto the scene. How many of them do you think followed the Seahawks really closely? I bet it was pretty oh. high.
1: <laughs> yep, and I and I also think there's something about football. It's once a week, so you don't feel. I mean, women have big, broad lives, oh, yeah. but careers, kids. E- one game a week, by the way, it's Sunday. And so husbands are around, family's around. It's a, it's kind of like lunch, dinner, beer. It's a real, it's real family feeling football. It's once a week. It's also, to be honest with you, um, I mean, I do think there's something to be said. You have to be a real baseball fan to get baseball. There's literally 162 games. Spring training postseason, there's over 200. It's a maze of games. I'm a sportscaster. I get lost with it. NBA, so many meaningless games, load management, NFL players, once a week, they play hurt. And, you know, for most of your stars, the careers are 10 years. So you just get used to seeing people. And by the way, many of those players that are great in the NFL, they were great in college. So I just followed, you can go follow Caleb Williams at USC to the Bears. So you have some connection to him.
2: I also think one thing, you know, most of my friends, either from college or high school, if I went on Instagram the day, I, I swear to God, 80% of them were at the Niners game. And I think if you grew up in an NFL city like Philly or Dallas or wherever, or the big college cities, it's such an event, right? It's fun to go tailgate. It's it's getting out of the house, going to hang out. It's it's really just all day. It's a positive thing. Now, the game might not turn it. <laughs> it was going to be a negative thing if they lost, but it, it is something fun to do. And like you said, it's not one of those, it's once during the season, right, it's every other week if you're a season ticket holder. I mean, I know countless season ticket holder. It's a very easy thing to follow. It's e- always easy to get rid of your tickets. And I-, I don't know many people that are associated with a team as a season ticket holder or go to games that complain about it. And I think it's the opposite in the other sports where uh, I-, I know so many people over the last five years that have taken their kids to see Steph Curry and just for whatever, he didn't play, right? And, and that's dramatically hurt the game. You know when you're going to a Kansas City Chiefs game, or a 49er game that if I'm wearing a Debo jersey or I'm wearing a Kelsey or Mahomes jersey, that guy's gonna have to have a broken leg or a broken shoulder or else he's oh, I mean, John, playing. And if he's playing, guys, he's gonna give me everything he has.
1: It's totally relatable. I mean, MB doesn't play against Jokic. <laughs> and we're both I'm we're both NBA fans. I watch a, I watched, I watched, again, I watched. I'm Clippers, dipping. Celtics.
2: I I have gone the it's just I I found it with the with the the load management and the effort. I get, last night was pretty remarkable, but that felt like a game from 15, 20 years ago, right? The yes. Lakers and Warriors. That, that's not what the NBA is anymore. Uh, they, they've lost. The guy's making so much money. The urgency of the sport has been lost. That's what's re- amazing about football is the money has, like Patrick Mahomes had a $450 million contract. And if I told you that guy was playing for his career, you would have thought today, like, his, you know, his contract was on the line. So the the money hasn't phased any of these guys. You might not play well, but you never feel like anyone's mailing it in. Everyone's nope. always trying and I I do think it's the culture of football from yeah. from peewees to high school to to college to the pros, guys are coaches yell at you. <laughs> right? You're just getting yelled at. You're getting humbled well,
1: daily. Also, if you go look at the NBA media coverage, it's oh, like it's too positive. It's <laughs> yeah, a fan. It's just a it it's just basically they're all PR people because nobody, even the ones I respect, they don't want to lose access to the top four agents and the top 12 players. In the NFL, there's it's just, I mean, Kansas City. I mean, take Kansas City. Travis Kelsey gets pissed off at you. I'll go talk to Tom Holmes. I'll talk to Reed. Yeah. Oh, shit, they're two corners. There's just guys to talk to. In the NBA, there's like a player, or a team that you have to have the access to. I used to have a buddy that covered the San Francisco Giants, and he's like, man, those guys will churn on you. Well, like those you guy have to be nice on. to
2: Barry or else he'd throw a bat at your face.
1: Yeah. So it's like in the NFL, it's just it, the the media is hard, but supportive. I mean, we're not here taking – I mean, I used to be brutal on Baker. I I think he's great. I love his redemption story.
2: Don't you think most so, guys, most players are, per, are unfazed by it? Like in the NBA, they, they go into the tank and they get mad and they start lashing out. In the NFL, it's like, whatever, I'll see you next week. Well,
1: I think also NFL players, because they have shorter careers and they stay in college longer – A lot of them marry their sweethearts in college, yeah. And because of younger families, I I think they have families and kids sooner, and so they're not on their phone all day. I mean, if you're if you're some of these NBA guys, you're 27, never married, no kids, you're doing your thing, you're on your phone all day at your hotel. I, I tell people this all the time that people I've had not in a long time, but I pretty much have my staff, except for games like today when they're big games, but I have my staff pretty much run my social. And, and I tell people all the time, you, there's no value in reading it. <laughs> there's, no. But NBA got, again, but I'm married, kids, business, podcasts. If I was a 28-year-old sportscaster and I didn't have any of that, I'd probably be on the phone all day. Yeah. So I, I, think, I think NFL players tend to come into the league more mature. They see the. They also know one injury and they're done. So yeah. they put their money away. You don't hear a lot of NFL stories of guys going, bro. Most of the guys
2: put their money away because they know they're just a the one hit from being done. Yeah, you know, so what's your what's your guess on the numbers today? Are we talking over 50 million? I'll that say Niner game 40, got pretty good in the second half.
1: <laughs> I'll say 46.5 million um, Super Bowl get over 50. I mean, you know what's so funny? When the season started i think we were a little concerned at fox i'm not going to speak for our upper management but roger's gone the afc had the yeah. star quarterbacks and aaron had left the afc and russell wilson the year before had left the afc and we're like I right, know, jared goff how long stafford playing purdy i mean it was i mean it was like no kid but what's been great is the nfc has these great rivalries dallas against green bay green bay san francisco and and then Detroit, such a heartwarming story, is the NFC's got these, the afc Philly, got a lot of them.
2: Philly's just interesting.
1: <laughs> and even, but in the, if you go to look at the AFC, it's Tennessees and Jacksonvilles and the Houston Texans. Kansas City's obviously a, a profoundly popular uh, franchise. But in the NFC, you've just got these built-in sixty set. Even the bad teams, the Bears, were kind of fascinating this year. Yeah. Is Justin Fields going to work? Um, and now Washington's going to get Ben Johnson, richest owner, most cap space. That'd be kind of interesting. The NFC has these big foundational, uh, people don't understand, John, out East. They have no idea how popular the Niners are out West. They have
2: it. When you say that the NFC East, if we were going to compare it to college football, would be like the power of the SEC. And then yeah. if you took like the Packers. And the 49ers, that's like Michigan, Ohio State. I, I, I'm not I, obviously I'm, the AFC is really good. I'm just talking the power of the brands. I mean, I don't think people understand like when the 49ers and Green Bay play each other, how many people were watching that game. I mean, you're talking about my entire life. That's a rivalry going on 30 plus years. These two teams have been in the biggest games in the biggest sport now for you know, decades.
1: John Madden, the great late John Madden, used to um, have a line, and he used it at Fox and and management often um, kind of harkens back to it. Does the game sound big? Yeah. San Francisco Niners sounds gigantic. Dallas Packers sounds... Cleveland Browns, Houston Texans,
2: it just doesn't sound that big. A couple years ago, Jacksonville Chargers, it just doesn't sound that big. Well, you could argue this is the best Super Bowl match. I mean, obviously, the Cowboys being in it, given the quantity of people, but the second best matchup would be the 49ers against Mahomes, right? Yeah. No, no, I think it's... Listen, it's, it's, it's... Again, people,
1: I would say the Obviously, Niners. Dallas,
2: get, get to the NFC Championship for that ever to happen, but you just know what I mean, the brand.
1: The Niners are the Yankees of the West. The yeah, Lakers totally. are popular, but it's the NBA. I think the Niners are even bigger than the Dodgers.
2: How many Niner fans live in Los Angeles? Hey, did you see this year? Was it this year the Niners well, played the, the last Raiders? Three years, Colin. They sell that place out. They call it Niner South. <laughs> It's
1: crazy. Yeah. I mean, I went to Starbucks this morning, so I got a great workout in. I went to Starbucks. There were three guys in Niners, full Niners gear. It was like 850. And I'm like, and then where else did I go? Oh, I had to go to a pharmacy. And there were two more Niner hats in there. And I'm like, people just, when you're in Los Angeles, it is Dodger hats, Lakers shirts, and Niner hats.
2: You know, Kyle always had said before he took the Niners job that he was only going to go to a job that he felt had a good quarterback situation because he had seen so many people fail. And then the Niners offered him the job. Well, he he had been there with his dad when Steve Young and they were winning Super Bowl. So it's hard to say no. And he went because of the power of his experience there. And when you win with the 49ers, like, to me, they're one of the biggest brands of my lifetime, any sport. I mean, they, they've yep. just been consistently well, about, good. And now, I mean, they are just rattling, like they're a bigger brand than Kansas City. Obviously, Kansas City could win back-to-back Super Bowls, but it's not even close but, in terms of fans.
1: And it's fascinating how many interesting quarterbacks, John Brody uh, into Montana, into Steve Young, even like
2: into Kaepernick.
1: Alex yeah. Smith was capable. Gar- Gar- with Garcia John. was
2: going to Pro Bowls,
1: going toe-to-toe with Favre. And then now, then they had Garoppolo got him to a Super Bowl. Now it's Brock Purdy. They haven't all been great. Montana Young were. But they've always had interesting, even Kaepernick, they've had interesting quarterback stories and good enough to win a bunch of games. I mean, God,
2: they got to a Super Bowl with Kaepernick, Garoppolo, and now Purdy. How many organizations could do that? Do you think the reason Brock is such a polarizing story is just simply his draft spot or simply because of his draft spot and he's the 49ers quarterback?
1: You know, I don't, here's what I think. I don't think he's polarizing. I think it's, we live in a debate culture and I fall into the, I think he's good. I don't think he's great. I think he's good. I don't think he's big enough, his arm, but he's good. And I thought his second half today running around, he was really good. And then there's those that say, you know, my my buddy, Jason McIntyre, he's great. And I'm like, no, the scouts know what they're doing. I mean, there are these occasional Kurt Warner stories or Antonio Gates where GMs, and both of those, by the way, there were circumstances why they didn't get drafted. But I think there is this. He's great. He's this. I think Brock Purdy is a good quarterback. Um, if if I argued he's Kirk Cousins with mobility, well, that's a pretty good quarterback. C.J. Yeah. Stroud is Jared Goff with mobility. Well, that's a pretty good quarterback. So if I said to you, he you can kind win of a Kirk lot of games Cousins, with Jared Goff. <laughs> listen, you win a lot of games with Kirk Cousins. Imagine if he could move. Oh, he can. It's called <laughs> Brock Purdy. <laughs> that's what he is. <laughs> exactly. I mean, when 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 C.J. Stroud came out, all the scouts were like, he's Jared Goff. Well, he is really, except he moves better, which. Well, sh- Shit, Jared's good without moving. So what's he like when he moves? So I think I think the comp is is like CJ Stroud to me is I mean Jared throws a beautiful ball. Stroud throws a beautiful ball. He just moves better. So I think I think Brock Purdy feels like to me kind of a pedestrian arm, uh, uh, arm pedestrian arm's average. Yeah, it's not great. yeah, pedestrian body, but he
2: moves, and that's a good player. And he makes plays.
1: Yeah, yep. in big spots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, buddy. See you, comp. John Middlecoff, former NFL scout. We love him. Three and Out podcast. Always mine.
4: The Volume.
3: It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff.